0: It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan, and attorney Ray Giudice. This is
1: your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Giudice. We're going to talk about uh, the Ahmaud Aubrey case. We're going to talk about workers at your house. What is your liability? And then we'll get into the Erica Jane case, a real housewife. If you watch some of the Real Housewives franchise shows, We'll discuss her being dismissed from a lawsuit. But first, I want to introduce you to Bruce Hagen and Ray Judice, and how you can get their expert advice if you need their help. Bruce,
2: uh, good morning. Great to be here today. I have uh, ended my term of COVID isolation. I'm back in the real world, so it feels Let's good go. to be out and about. Uh, but, yeah, you can find me, Bruce, at Hagen-Law.com, H-A-G-E-N. My number is 404 404- Five two two seven five five three. You can also reach me at bikelaw.com. Bruce at bikelaw.com. Call me about anything. I handle personal injury cases, but can certainly uh, help you with whatever it is you might need. Uh, I do want to say, and, and we can call this a radio tease, I have a major announcement to make at some point during this what? show. And so okay. I'm going to count on you, Tug, to just let me know when you think I should is say that it. Is that your pick okay. in the big game? It's not my pick in the big game. <laughs> saving that for next week, uh, but but it is a major announcement, and, and uh, I feel like our listeners deserve
3: first, right wait.
1: on. All right. Well, goodness gracious! I don't know how we wait uh, for it, but we'll try. How do we get a hold you of you? Right now, I
3: feel like that that Johnny Carson clip where uh, after Sinatra and uh, Dean Martin are introduced the comedian, says, "You ever wondered what it's like to be an old pair of brown shoes in the closet after that major announcement?" <laughs> exactly. I don't have much to say? <laughs> All well, right. Happy, happy January is over. Happy February. Ray Judice, attorney at law. 36 and a half years in a row practicing here in the state of Georgia, all metro counties. I was up in your hometown, no, Dalton, Wood Georgia, Field earlier this week. Uh, I was quite impressed, though. I, you know, Not bad. It's got the look of a lot of these smaller towns mm-hmm. that kind of got vacant for a while. And that one and did and as now, I grew up. Right now people are saying, hey, you know what? I can go up there and buy a three-story building and have a coffee shop in the lobby and apartments up top, and it's kind of... They got a brewery. I yeah. think you said there's two. That's two. Absolutely. There Man, are. And you don't have business in any world until you got two of something. That's, that's exactly That makes for competition. That's, that's right. So uh, we got a
1: McDonald's and a Burger King, there too. You so go. There's, there's the burger. And we get the two for one. are exactly getting two like, for ones before. Come on. 404
3: 964 4185.
1: That's how you live right there. Uh, let's start out with Erica Jane, and maybe you've seen her on the Real Housewives uh, franchise. Well, she has been dismissed from Tom Girardi's ongoing. Fraud and embezzlement lawsuit that is in Illinois. But could that creep back in in some some other city, maybe? Yeah, and certainly this is being hailed
2: by uh, the housewife as a vindication, uh, but that's really not what it is. And and the lawyer who represents the victims here, I'll get into why they're victims here in just a second, but the lawyer represents the victims is in Chicago. The case had been filed in Illinois against Erica Jane, against Tom Girardi, against Girardi's law firm. Um, And so he dismissed... Uh, Erica from the case, but it's done with what we call without prejudice. Okay. When you're dismissed without prejudice, it means that another lawsuit can be refiled against you for the very same things. There's no double jeopardy. It's nothing like that in a civil situation. And so this lawyer has said, hey, this is th- she's not off the hook here. She's still going to be held accountable. We're going to be refiling this lawsuit, but we're filing the new one in California because there were some jurisdictional concerns ah. over whether the Illinois court could properly exercise jurisdiction over her. So they're dismissing the Illinois case against her, but we'll be refiling in California. So to the extent that she has any culpability here, um, that is not over just because of this. But if you're the subject of a high profile made for TV reality show, um, this is a great excuse to go out with your super wealthy girlfriends and party in Aspen and spend a boatload of, what I believe to be other people's money, uh, to celebrate something. OPM. That's what we have here.
1: I need to get some OPM. Other people's money.
3: Yeah, and and, uh, it's not double jeopardy. That applies in a criminal case, not in a civil lawsuit. But there are some restraints now. Uh, The lawsuit will have to be refiled within the statute of limitations in the state of California, covering the various complaints. So they don't want to sit on this and get around to it in a year or two, because especially when you have a continuing fraud that happens in many small slices, you know, $100,000 at a time, uh, those have dates on them. And most cases have to be filed within two years of the injury and here it's the fraud. Uh, sometimes fraud can delay the statute of limitations. Secondly, not only do they have to serve the lawsuit in the appropriate jurisdiction within the two-year statute of limitation, it has to be served upon the defendants in a timely basis. There's a legal theory called laches. meaning you can't sit on your hands as a plaintiff lawyer just because you filed it at the courthouse and then decide six months later, hey, uh, we ought to give the defendant and his or her insurance company a copy of it. So there's a secondary defense. See, these fancy lawyers who got educated at Emory say things like laches. <laughs> I always thought it was latches.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, Bruce. But uh, no, I, I like laches. sounds great. It does. It's uh, very nice. The underlying facts you in know, this case there's are...
3: there's a certain hourly fee issue here. Certainly, yeah.
2: When you pronounce it like that... <laughs> hey, Seriously, he's he's going, going up. Making a whole bunch of money. You know, uh, jury selection, uh, <laughs> you, they use the Latin term uh, vor dire, as we say here in the South, which I've come to learn. But, you know, if you want to charge an extra $100 an hour, you pronounce it with the French way of Voda. <laughs> I say
1: yes. It's like buggy versus shopping cart. <laughs> That's sounds like exactly. To That's right.
2: But the underlying facts that make this so awful uh, go back to Erica Jane's husband, um, a lawyer named Tom Girardi. Tom Girardi is a titan of the legal industry. I should say was a was, titan of the yeah. legal industry. He was the real Aaron Brockovich lawyer. I mean, he's the oh, one wow. who brought California Power and Light to their knees. He he's been involved in in so many massive, major cases. And, and he's just been incredible in the work that he's done and the things that he's accomplished, representing the little guy against the big guy. And then later on in life, and he's an old man now, he's, he's 80 or certainly in his 80s, uh, late in his life, he... Married uh, someone who had been his bartender uh, at a pr- little private club. This cute little hottie named Erica, mm-hmm. and he helped to make her career, which I, I don't know what it entails. I've seen some of her music videos because I, I know Tom Girardi. I met him in, oh, wow. in some in some uh, with
1: the NFL pro- uh, concussion thing. Yeah, he, he, he and
2: I were both okay. on the um, panel of lawyers that were leading that case, and so. Um, you know, I met Tom, and he didn't want to talk about the case. He wanted everybody to see who his hot wife was, and his showed us all candy. videos of this. So, and and it proceeded to become just the most ostentatious, over the top, extravagant lifestyle of this girl living an unbelievable lifestyle of opulence and and spending money hand over fist presumably money that he made legitimately. What you come to find out is he was committing the ultimate sin for a lawyer, which is he was stealing money from his clients and oh, wow. and, and in a very big and public way. Um, and he got exposed by this lawyer in Chicago who had referred him several cases involving deaths that arose from the Lion Air plane crash. And uh, when they got money to settle the cases, um, Girardi didn't only steal money from the client and and not pay these clients uh, for their wrongful death claims. He didn't pay the referring lawyer in Chicago, Hmm. and that's what outed him and, and has led to his entire career, his entire firm, everything come crashing down, and he's likely to spend his last days in jail.
3: We should definitely talk about attorney referral fees one day on one of the, our shows great. Uh, it's an interesting topic but uh, another lawyer fallen from grace last week we talked about Michael Arnetti up in New York and California who's you know threw it all away uh, a very famous lawyer uh, F Lee Bailey that everyone has heard of F Lee Bailey and was involved in the OJ trial but you know realist if you know about OJ uh, uh, F Lee Bailey yeah uh, he was the man in the '50s, '60s, and '70s, uh, he was even he, in a Star Trek episode. He was in a Star Trek. Wow, episode.
1: that's when you know As you've learned it. and,
3: and he was—he was the inspiration for many, many great lawyers uh, to become. And you know, I, I think he's still alive, but he was—you know—same thing. Got a big fee to do some work out of, out of the country in the islands. Kept the fee. Whoever paid him the fee turned him into the bar. He lost his law license. And I think at the end of his days, he was basically would come to your law firm for lunch, let you take pictures for a fee. For oh, lunch wow. and a yeah. fee. And he you know, had no law license to practice and was living yeah. by himself.
2: I remember, you know, so my father was a criminal lawyer in the Bronx and, and he was really talented. He was outrageous and over the top as a criminal lawyer, which was just a great attribute to have. Completely fearless, right? Never made any money as a lawyer. I mean, <laughs> we lived in a rent controlled apartment in the Bronx my entire life growing up. But I remember when I went out on my own, in 1992 and started my own firm uh, the little bit of advice he gave me uh, was that he said look you need to understand that as a lawyer you're going to be faced with a choice at some point and that choice is going to be do you want to eat or do you want to sleep because there will be opportunities for you to have access to money that involve you completely sacrificing your ethics your uh, loyalties and probably breaking the law in the process but you may be able to get away with it in this role you have as lawyer, but you're not going to be able to sleep at night. Yeah. And yeah. He, says, he says, for me, he says, I sleep like a baby. <laughs> he, right. says, yeah. Yeah. he says, and, and, you know, we live a modest him. lifestyle as a result, but, you know, you're going to have to make that choice for yourself, and I've never forgotten those words because I've seen it with these other lawyers and I've seen it with, and, and in other industries too, where, you know, it's like, you get you get addicted to the money, you get addicted to the lifestyle, and you're
3: willing to sacrifice everything for it and, and disaster
2: inevitably ensues. Well,
3: I'm a Jim Cramer devotee, financial advisor, and Jim has a saying, bears make money, bulls make money, pigs get slaughtered mm-hmm. and you can make a nice living in the practice of law you get to go home with all your fingers intact you didn't drop mm-hmm. a box that weighed 300 pounds on your foot like the guys i worked with at the old fulton fish market in the lower east side of new york when i was in community college i wondered why there were so many 41 year old men walking with a cane on disability yeah. uh but yeah but you have gotta be honest keep the money in escrow Give the money back to your client. If you need to refund money to a client, go ahead and do it. Keep errors and omission insurance so, God forbid, you or your staff make a mistake, the uh, vic, the, the injured party can recover and be made whole. Come to court on time, pay your dues, take your CLE, and don't drink during the day. And it's not that complicated.
1: Do the right thing. It just seems like that's a pretty straightforward. It's not that complicated. It's not that complicated. Just do the right and
3: thing. I know that what I've just said falls upon all, the ears of our listeners who are generally entrepreneurs, self-employed businessmen and women who run have a family run their business and those are the rules that they live by
1: yeah no it's a it's a great golden rule that's the one that i want to live by too just do exactly what the the way treat people the way you want to be treated it's as simple as that this is your day in court with bruce hagan and ray judice when we come back the Ahmad aubrey trial that has captivated the state of georgia and the country we'll discuss the plea deal that was rejected by the judge next on extra 1063
4: Twenty dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice
0: on Extra 106.3.
1: Welcome back to Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. My name is Tug Cowart. I want to jump into this conversation because it has a pretty profound effect on the state of Georgia. A federal judge rejected the plea deal that would have averted a hate crime trial for Travis McMichael who killed Ahmaud Aubrey. So my first question for y'all is... I didn't realize you could reject a plea deal. I thought that it, that everything was agreed on, that that was moving forward. So I think that's the first thing to get into. Yeah, and
2: I'll let Ray get into some more of the specifics of it, but I think that is the public perception. And to some extent, um, that's very often the case is that if a prosecutor and a defense lawyer reach an agreement between the two of them, that a lot of judges are just going to rubber stamp that for many any number of reasons. Number one, they kind of count on A, the defense lawyer to look out for the best interest of the defendant, the prosecutor to, you know, zealously represent the interests of the state or the or the feds and and assume that they've done their job and that the agreement they've reached has been the product of good faith negotiation, knowing more about the details of the facts of the case than the judge does. Um, But at the same time, the judge is not compelled to do that. um, And there are other factors involved sometimes it has to do with the uh desires of the victim or the victim's family which uh the victims often have and always have a right to be heard but that doesn't mean that the judge has to be influenced
1: by that which is what happened here too well well, at least it could be the, the the i should say let me say just correct myself the the family at least said this is how we feel about it
3: yeah so the term of art is called a negotiated plea not only does it mean there were negotiations between the defense lawyer and the prosecutors but it's a it's a deal it's a handshake we have come to a deal judge and we're presenting this negotiated plea the opposite as what we call in in our world is going up naked (laughs) Uh, unnegotiated so the prosecutor makes his or her recommendation we make our recommendation the judge can not only do anything between those two points but higher or lower it's free game sometimes we do it with a cap We're going to go up unnegotiated with a cap of 10, minimum of two, and the judge is going to go with anything other than that. We get to withdraw our plea. So it sounds a little complicated, but there's a lot of negotiations. And under the federal rules, it is really codified by the Justice Department. I mean, this plea, I assure you, the deal before it was rejected by the judge was approved by somebody in Washington who may have had to have been approved by the United States Senate to have their job. Wow. all the way to the top
2: because it's such a high profile, high case.
3: profile case. And the U.S. attorney, of course, is appointed by the president. The new new USA came in about two months ago after B.J. Pack resigned. Yeah. So now also keep in mind, many people are saying, wait, wait, there was a trial uh, last summer in Brunswick or last fall. This is the federal prosecution of the civil rights violation. This is not a prosecution for murder. It's of the civil rights violation that led to murder. So what what the family and the family's lawyer wanted was a jury trial to prove that this was race-related. Now, my understanding is that the defendants were going to admit that when you take a guilty plea in open court, especially in federal court. There's what's called a plea protocol. It's a series of 25 to 50 questions. It's like
2: it's a catechism a- that you guys grew up with, That's right? right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Please, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
1: know, and, yeah, Flashing back. Just, the man. Usually
2: you lead wow. me up. You help me out. Oh yeah. Flashing back so, his uh, days as an altar boy a, a Slug on him, <laughs> slug on, him, <laughs> on, the, the, on the hands. First thing in the morning. gracious. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but the colloquy is not that different. <laughs> That's right. You know, and, and eventually, after we go through the simple questions, are, are you under the influence of alcohol, drugs at this time? Are you oriented in time and place? How far did you go in school? Do you read and write the English language? Have you gone over your constitutional waiver of rights? You've given up your right to a jury high? Blah, 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 blah. Have you had enough time to talk with your lawyer now ultimately the judge says sir are you in fact guilty of the charges outlined in indictment number xyz123 united states of america versus tug Coward?" and the defendant says I don't like that yes question. your honor well, yeah you yeah. don't ever want to have your yeah. name on mm-hmm. that no no but it, and are you in fact guilty Yes, Your Honor. Has anybody forced you, threatened you, or coerced you to say this? No, Your Honor. Is your guilty plea voluntary? Yes, Your Honor. Those words would have been spoken on this plea. You don't get to go up there on a case like this and say, well, judge, I'm going to plead no low and save the points. That's for traffic court, okay? There's no no guilty with an explanation. (laughs) That's right. right? right. You are guilty. But (laughs) they would have
1: already admitted that. Like, that, that had already been stated when... Well, that's that's, well, that's That's what's understood the deal. I mean,
3: if I'm going to enter and have my client enter a negotiated plea, we're going over that before we have the agreement, because I've seen it undone where, you know, I've seen folks that aren't right prepared to say the magic words. Yes, judge, I'm guilty. Sure, <laughs> they but typi- up
2: typically, a negotiation is exactly that. And so yep. it doesn't mean that it's a capitulation. It's it's just a I'm giving up and and <laughs> accepting the maximum sentence on every charge that you are throwing at me. It's it's hey, I'll plead guilty to these charges, but not to, to those avoid, other ones. To avoid. You know, dying. And, and so there's there's some give and take. Right. Right. Excuse me. So, um, you know, I don't know the exact offer in this particular case. What they were not pleading guilty to? What they well, were it was going to be thirty
3: years. It was going to match the minimum amount of time that they would serve in the state prison, state of Georgia. But the deal was that they got to do their time in a federal prison.
2: And that was the big. Yeah, and, and that's right there. a big.
3: And that offended, bothered, concerned, upset the parents. And if I was a defense lawyer, I'm doing my client a big solid. We're not going to trial. We're not doing more than the 30 years that we're going to get on the on the Georgia case. And in all honesty, to get your client into a federal pen, even if it's maximum, is so much safer, better medical, better food, better visitation, better phone usage. These seem like small things, but you're trying to do the best thing you can for your client.
1: Yeah, I want to ask about that. Go ahead and finish.
2: I was going to say, thought. particularly in the state of Georgia, where, yeah. where and, and, and in this area of Georgia, where. Uh, Georgia is the subject of federal suit over conditions in its state prisons where they're not doing enough, uh, uh, allegedly, to protect prisoners. And I know this is a hard concept for some folks, but just because you're convicted of a crime and you're incarcerated doesn't mean you lose all rights. And and uh, there's a certain degree of decency, and in fact uh, the Constitution even requires it, that um, you, know, you, you be provided with adequate conditions in prison. And so Georgia state prisons, and, and many of them, fall way below what's considered acceptable standards here. And so, yes, the idea that these guys could serve their time in a federal penitentiary um, might be the sort of thing that keeps them alive. Might be the sort of thing that, that, you know, makes a difference. Certainly, we have to accept the fact that there is a certain degree of quality of life even behind bars. Sure, And and
3: there's a big difference. The vaguest line on either of these three guys living to collect Social Security, except the father, uh, by not being— hit with a shiv stabbed with a shiv by a gang member in a georgia state prison it it, you know the vegas line is not good for them okay i mean that that's a real reality uh not that that couldn't happen in a federal pen just less likely less likely yeah but not unlikely just less likely
1: so uh, going back to them trying to get the plea and then already saying okay i'm guilty of these not not that can that be used against them moving forward? Well,
3: it sure looks bad if you're going to pick a jury next Monday. I would think so too. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, if I'm juror number one and say, "Wait a second, Judge," I thought I thought this <laughs> I thought these guys were going to plead guilty. We're having a trial. What's there to have a trial about? Right. So, so that's that's a problem. Uh, now, of course, this needed to be public. This couldn't be done because the judge had to make a ruling, and what she ruled was, "You guys, you lawyers, are taking away my discretion." and forcing me to take this deal and to forcing me to put him these guys in a federal prison I might not want to do that so she rejected the deal
1: Mm. so yeah that seems like so then, if it, when this moves into trial, will then their defense be able to say, "Okay, look, we we, we cornered these guys. We had them. We had them uh, pleading, and then now they're they're being unfairly treated." I mean, is how would how would that, I mean? I don't know. I so, just so
2: that that fact would never be disclosed in open court to the jury. It, it shouldn't be right because it doesn't go to the merits of the claim itself. That's right. And so that wouldn't come out in court. But the issue Ray's hitting on, which is very accurate, is, you know. Anybody who is alive and breathing and paying Knows. the least bit of attention is going to know that this was going on. It was, you know, la- it was broadcast almost as loud as the premature announcement of Tom Brady's retirement, <laughs> right? So, so, so it, it, right. it was out there. And 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 you say, oh, there's a plea deal. I mean, it, every news outlet uh, there. And so either you're going to be left with people who live in a cave as as your jurors, mm-hmm. or people who just heard it but are saying the right things. Like it doesn't influence me one way or the other. And we know that that's not a hundred percent accurate with most people.
3: So in a your day in court practical work in court theory, neither in a criminal case nor a civil lawsuit or a divorce lawsuit or any kind of case that's going to a jury, is the jury entitled to know about any of the pre-trial negotiations, offers of settlements, rejected settlements? It's verboten. If it's brought up, probably a mistrial if it's brought up improperly it may be a mistrial with prejudice we can talk about that one day but the d.a can't get up there and say now we offered this guy probation if he just plead guilty that's a, that's a mistrial with prejudice by mm-hmm. the way yeah. uh in a personal injury case the insurance company can't say he's asking for a million but we offered him 900 yeah. you know yeah. i mean
2: can't right. do it yeah, we were in mediation last month and they they, yeah. they were willing to pay us this much and now they're saying to
1: pay us so little mean, right. can't, can't do that would it be out of the out of the question then to move the federal trial out of Brunswick. I mean, would that be an option or would that be considered because, you know, uh, so many people there are so close to the trial?
2: It's usually the basis for a motion by um, the defense to say that we can't get a fair trial in this locale because everybody in this community is so affected by it. Everybody knows about it. We can't get a fair panel of jurors to come in here and do this. And so that is the basis often to change venue. Um, and I don't know if that was raised in this particular case or not. Uh, I do believe it was raised in the, um, in the underlying Originally, state case. Yeah. But, you know, th- again, that's a fine line because the defense could very easily look at this and say that, hey, look, we're, we're most comfortable staying right here where we are because the folks who live here are more like the defendants in the case than they are like the victim okay. in the case. And, and, and they all understand that, yeah, we took it upon ourselves to police our own community. Uh, and, and we, we acted justifiably in defending ourselves, you know, from this perceived threat at the time they were wrong. If th- if that's the decision they made, then, then they, they chose wrongly.
3: Yeah. And of course that's, you know, 2020 backwards vision yeah. and, and the legal commentators that have never picked a jury. The first thing I always hear them say, well, they should motion to change venue. You got to be careful what you ask for. Right. You just might get oftentimes, it. Yeah. Uh, and oftentimes as Bruce points out. Uh, the lawyer that practices regularly in a certain community in front of a certain judge May have a real advantage in that ballpark. than transferring the case, you think you're going to get an advantage in the big city Atlanta? Nobody cares. Well, you don't know the lay of the land as a lawyer. That's before. really important. I mean, uh, th- ask any left fielder who ever played in Fenway. You just don't <laughs> go yeah. out there and play yeah. the big, the Green Monster. Yeah. You know, you got to go. Have before, some experience. You got to have some experience or have Carl Jaskremski or Teddy Williams walk you through the walk you through the how to do it before you go out there.
2: <laughs> Our <laughs> listeners should know by now that there is not a single topic that we can't. Bring back, back, back sports analogy. analogy. <laughs> Anything it. we discuss can can relate to some
1: sports analogy somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a good thing because uh, that's the thing that brings us all together.
3: But I will say, I think I think trial lawyers are baseball fans, and I'm maybe over generalizing. It. It's just because it's it's a it's a game of of. Quarterly, you got ninety feet down the line. Everything, the measurements, the strategy. Uh, There's times when you got to go fast. There's times when you got to go slow. It's just, it's almost like trying a jury trial. I I will say this though, that one of the great lawyer baseball fans that I know is a guy named Abe Shear,
2: who uh, worked for years at Arnold Golden Gregory. Uh I think he's retired now, but he was a real estate lawyer, uh, not not a litigator. But he has written some great books and and had this vast knowledge of baseball, and particularly. Baseball history in Atlanta, going back to the crackers, uh, crackers yeah. and, I love and, and coming forward from there. And and he's an absolute historian. Um, you should have him on I'll your baseball show, yeah. uh, the show, the baseball show you do with Chris. I'll talk Dino. to Chris, yeah. yeah no, that
1: sounds awesome. I love that idea. Let's go back to federal prison versus state prison. So do, are these guys going to have any sort of... Uh, is there anything that might work in their favor because of the the craziness that's happening with the state prison system in Georgia? Do they have any any sort of leeway there? Is there anything that they can bring up and say, well we're gonna, there's no way that uh, we can go be put in, in a state prison because it's so poor and they're being sued as, a, as evidence of it?
2: I, I think they could potentially if they are if they become victims of some mistreatment, B- by virtue of uh, failings of the state prison system, they could bring a claim as a result of that, but to say that conditions are so terrible in this prison, you can't put me there, that, that's not gonna fly, yeah. that's yeah. not going
3: I'm too pretty to go to prison. <laughs> right,
2: <laughs> hey, I will say this, this is a little bit of a sidebar, but you know, thanks to the work that I do and, and the people that I both represent and bring claims against, uh, I have been inside quite a few state and federal penitentiaries, not as many as Ray, I'm sure, um, but whenever I'm in either one of those, I'm thinking to myself, I could get out of here. <laughs> like, you could figure out how to get out? I think I could get out the of this tunnel, place, huh? you know. Uh, there, there's a way. I've seen enough movies. I, I know. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, like, the the, the state pen here in, in the Atlanta area... Um, there's apparently a pretty liberal program for folks to- Have um, cell phones and drugs. Be, have, well, and, and, and kind of come <laughs> and <laughs> go. Like, there, there are all these stories about the convenience store across the street and when there used to be the barbecue joint right. down the street of, of like the sort of the, the trustees, you know, like like the, the honorable uh, prisoners just kind of walking out going across the street to get uh, some supplies at the grocery store or at the, at the barbecue place coming back. What?
3: <laughs> In the state of Georgia, when you're sentenced by a judge to anything more than county time, which is a year or less, that's that's you State County, if you're going to go into the state system, the last words the judges say, and, sir, I now turn you over to the Department of Pardons and Corrections, good luck, may God have mercy on your soul. The judge's control over that human being, absent uh, special hearing, uh, is gone. It's the commissioner of the Department of Pardons and Paroles and Corrections. Mm. And they go to one of two diagnostic centers. One is in Jackson, Georgia, and the other is um, coastal, out towards the coast. Yeah, Savannah area. That's right. And uh, you go there for about 90 days, and they test you, and they weigh you, and they try to determine which of the many prisons in the state of Georgia you can go to uh... if you've got a medical issue you, your lawyer wants to flesh that out prior so that all they have all their medical records because there's a medical facility in Milledgeville. which actually it's kind of the best place to go to to be honest with you it's the safest place uh, but there's nothing the judge can do in georgia but not so in the federal system in the federal system part of the negotiations and the pre-trial recommendations by the probation department and that's who does it for the feds is they actually can negotiate what level of prison you go to? Are you going to get to go down to the, uh, what's the name, the cook, the woman, the. Uh, uh, the uh, yeah, Paula she's Dine. from Pauline. Pa- no, 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 the other Uh-oh, one. Martha oh, Martha Stewart. Martha, yeah, Martha, yeah. are you going to the Martha Stewart, you know, which is basically an apartment complex with a chain link fence around it. And you can go shopping during the day at Whole Foods. Ray, I I mean,
2: I, I'm prepared that if, if push comes to shove and I find myself as the defendant in a federal case and, I, and it's looking bad, um, I'm I'm fully prepared to convert to Orthodox Judaism. Uh, because get, the,
3: get the good meal. Yeah,
2: there, That's the, the you There's <laughs> apparently yes. uh, the food program. If you are an Orthodox Jew,
3: the food program is kosher. by far
2: the best that you're going right. to get any,
3: right. anywhere in the federal system. Same on, on Pan Am, I think, is the same thing. Ask, okay, ask perfect. For, Always ask for the kosher meal. Get the meal. kosher
1: meal. But point <laughs> taken. Yeah, <but laughs> make i note on myself a note in <laughs> <a note laughs> case I end up
3: like that. Yeah, gro- you know, growing up in New York does teach you certain things. You know, the Jews and the Italians teach each other a lot of tricks of the trade, right? Exactly. Right,
1: Good relationships there. Make sure you never pay retail. Yeah, right. Never pay retail. Look, and look, I'm a Heinz 57. I don't know what. Like, I couldn't tell you my lineage. It looks like a you know dog's hind leg. (laughs) (laughs) But I can always find. Don't pay retail is something that I can equate to. I can I can value that one. That's really good there. But um, anyway, this this is one of those things. By Monday, we'll probably know the way the thing is all flushed out. I would not
3: rule out that this does end up in a plea. Uh, I think, and I this is what I think, I think the victim's family's lawyers need to talk to the victim and say they're going to admit it was racial <laughs> in their yeah. guilty plea. Yeah, They're going to say it in open court. It's going to be forever and a day recorded in the transcripts of that courthouse and you can publish it in the newspaper. Uh, let them go to the federal prison. It's not. It's not that much safer. I mean, yeah. prisons and jails. And as Bruce said, I know most people don't like to hear it. They think that's part of the punishment. But they they shouldn't be a death sentence if you're sent for 10 years probation for a burglary, okay? Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be a death sentence. But no prison is a good place. It's a continuum of crappy to dang awful, okay? Mm-hmm. And so federal prison is real crappy and state prison is real awful. But yeah. it's you're still not sleeping in your bed and you're not – you know, it's a bad place. And you can get hurt for any slight, any insult. There's Aryan nation gangs. There's uh, all kinds of Mexican gangs, Japanese. There's so many gangs and these guys are in a gang of idiots. I mean, they're not, they do not have prison survival skills. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm sure you're right. And, and um, you know, it, it's a, um, whatever has, is happening behind the scenes in terms of their having ongoing negotiations over plea deal, I would expect fully at this point that the prosecution, if they haven't included the victim's family in those discussions before, that they're at least doing that now, leading up to whatever else may happen this week in advance of a trial, which is scheduled for next week. Because that was a big part of the problem here is that the victim said that, hey, look, the, the US attorney sold us out. You mm-hmm. know, they, they, they made this deal behind our back. They never told us about this. And we were fully expecting to have our day in court and, and, and have, uh, you know, our our, family member's voice from the grave heard in court to be able to be vindicated truly in a federal trial. And that's not going to happen. Well, I expect now they'll be much more engaged with the victim's family's lawyers to say that, Hey, look, would you agree? Would your clients sign off on this kind of a deal? Uh, Because that may make a difference. Now, we talked about this before there's a huge difference between a federal judge and a state court judge primarily in that the state court judges are up for re-election every four years. The federal judges are appointed for life. So the federal judge doesn't have to be too concerned with, am I appeasing the public? Am I am I angering the public? Because this may come back on me at some point. They don't have to be quite so concerned. They're above the fray. A state court judge would, would certainly be more mindful of, I, I need to do justice, but I also want to do right by the voters in the next election. And so how does that affect me? here? That's not a factor in this case. So he really doesn't have to consider right. what the victim's family say, but- it's. It, it appears that that was a big motivating right right. factor but here, and, and and
3: you know that's okay. There's both federal and state law that have that are victims' rights laws, and in Georgia it's called the victim impact statement. The victims of especially uh, violent crimes and uh, sexually related crimes have a, a legal right to be discussed the case with the DA, not the facts, not necessarily how they're going to try it or strategy, but any kind of plea bargain generally has to be at least communicated to the victim the victims are entitled to come to court they're entitled to read a victim impact statement into the record uh, i have defended um, numerous people on probably the hardest criminal case i work on is the vehicular homicide cases uh, often they're misdemeanors meaning it's a, an accident somebody ran a stop sign somebody you know was going too fast it's not a felony a dui makes it a felony and you've got a nice family that's lost a, a young adult, perhaps by somebody else's negligent driving, and they're torn up. And I don't mean that in any sarcastic well, way. No, of course I don't mean. And uh, we're going to sit. In, we're going to be in court. And I've got my client prepared. And usually I have my client prepared to read an apology in open court. But there's crying, and there's usually a designated spokesperson from the family who sometimes reads a script and sometimes wanders from it, and sometimes it gets emotional. So that is a right that judges, especially judges that run for reelection every four years, and I can't fault them, what's the last thing they want? victims parading in front of the courthouse mm-hmm. judge Judici didn't even let us talk mm-hmm. well that that's a, that's how you be, that's how you go back into private practice <laughs> okay <laughs> no that's, that's your, all of a sudden you're renting an office space somewhere so much information
1: and good information that maybe like me you didn't know and that's the beauty of this show your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. when we come back a more practical application of the law what are your liabilities when you have people working on your home what kind of insurance do you need to have? What kind of insurance do they need to have? And we will get the answer to the big announcement. We'll get the big reveal from Bruce Hagan next on your day in court on Extra 106.3.
4: 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan
0: and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3 Final segment of your day in court here
1: on Extra 106.3 with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. Before we get the big announcement, I'll let you know that in just moments, you'll be able to reach out to Bruce and Ray with your questions, give you the numbers and the ways to contact them. If you get in some sort of legal hot water... If you need legal advice, legal direction, the experts that we have on this show will be able to lend a hand and help you through it. Before we get to the practical nature of law and when you have workers in your home and what kind of liability do you have, what kind of insurance do they need to have, we'll get to that. I want to get first, Bruce Hagan has a huge announcement on this show.
2: Well, yeah, thank you, Tug. And uh, this is something that uh, I say, and it wasn't an easy decision, Uh, I've thought a lot about it. I've prayed on it and uh, I've come to the conclusion as of Monday, I am pulling all my music off of Spotify. Uh, I just just wanted to make this announcement to your listeners first and and I do this in support of Nils Lofgren, a musician who has also announced it. I'm willing to forego the (laughs) 0.0031 cents per download Uh, that, that I could potentially get and so I hope that the listeners understand there will be other platforms for me to apply my wares and get my music out there. But as of Monday, you can no longer find the music of Bruce A. Hagan, mm. attorney at law, on Spotify.
3: They're in trouble. I think what they're doing, Spotify, is they've got to decide who they can live without. Yeah. I think they can live without Joni Mitchell. And I love Joni Mitchell, don't get me wrong. I'm, yeah, I'm me from, too. That's my generation, man, okay? But so many of the artistes, have sold their catalogs to corporate individuals or big companies, they don't quite have the leverage. So Dylan, who sold his his catalog, Beatles sold their catalog, uh, Michael Jackson sold his catalog. So the families are not gonna get offended, you're not gonna see that. So what you're seeing is you're getting people who are quitting who actually nobody really listens to much anymore, I hate to say mm-hmm. that Bruce. No, well the any. reality, no, I know any. you're not talking <laughs> about me there, but the reality no, not, of, not you, of but other the, the
2: streaming model for musicians and songwriters, is that very few of them, as you're saying, have the leverage, really, to do anything about it. And they make so little money. I mean, you know, sure. it's funny. I heard some some musician was yesterday was saying that his band gets like a million downloads per month on Spotify, all of which goes to their publisher, which is Sony. Mm-hmm. And Sony... Owns part of Spotify, yeah. and is says, and so you know, it says that's really the problem here with this model. It's not the, the platform for things for, with that you might disagree with, or that it's that there's no money in it for the artists. Wait a second, what's
3: the what's the uh, signal on Wall Street for Spotify? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, no I'm kid. smelling yeah. a racket. Yeah. Yeah. I like yeah, to invest in a racket, man. Is, <laughs> that's, is. My, that's my Conf- kind of company. <laughs> conflict of interest, much? <laughs> we'll, we'll do
2: a show another time on what it means to be an insider and insider trading and, and tippies and, and, and things yes, like that. Uh, we
1: need to cover that. Uh, (laughs) For sure. Hey, quickly, before we wrap up, about uh, four minutes here. When you have people working on your home, and I know Bruce recently you had people working on the roof at home, what is your liability for people who are working in your house? What kind of insurance do they need to have?
2: Well, you you do hear that contractors are licensed and bonded. You hear that phrase all the time. And how many times do you just assume that to be the case without digging any further? Ask to see proof of their insurance. Ask to she- see proof of their bond if they're doing work on your home. Um, th- these are the sort of things that can save you problems on the back end, particularly, you know, if somebody fell off the roof, who are they going to come after. Yeah, they might have a worker's comp claim maybe against their company, but chances are they're going to say, well, what about the home you were working on? What what kind of insurance do they have separate from this idea of did you do anything wrong? So first and foremost, check the documents.
3: And verify. I mean, do not count on, you know, Joe's landscaping and roofing company that has four employees to have a worker's comp policy. Maybe that's the one out of 10 that does, but I can assure you that many of those small entrepreneurs, I'm not saying cutting corners, Because the law doesn't force them to. It just turns them into self-insured, okay, which is wrong. And that means basically you get a worthless judgment after I sue them in small claims court. So you want to see their policy. You want to call the company and verify their limits. Okay, maybe you've only got a small amount of limits, but you're doing a major job. Does their coverage cover damage that they may do to the house? So they're upstairs working on the attic and they pierce a, a, you know, a pipe. It's kind of crazy, but go with me for a minute and flood the house and your Picasso art is ruined. Well, how much coverage did they have? And does your coverage cover them? Okay, so that's number one is somebody gets hurt. Who's going to, who are they going to sue you because you had a loose banister and you didn't tell the workers, hey, watch out for the banister, mm. right? So from okay.
2: that standpoint, it's exactly like we talked about when we had mm-hmm. the discussion of, you know, your liability for, for the parties, parties and things yeah. like that is that if you've, got some dangerous conditions that exist there you're going to be responsible for those if you don't warn people about them or take proper steps to correct
3: them if you're going to do a job that maybe takes a year and nowadays things do take a year because of covid and supply chain problems call your home insurance your homeowners talk to your agent not online talking to the get-go or the the caveman call your agent and say this is what i'm doing do i have enough coverage do i need a special rider for this next year or until the job is done I hate to pay the extra premium, but I sure don't want to get sued.
2: And not to mention, you know, in today's market with um, the ability to borrow money at such a low interest rate, a lot of people are doing massive improvements to their home, expansions of their home. Well, you might have had an asset in your original home that was worth a certain amount of money, but now you're improving it and you're making it worth a whole lot more money. But many people still have the original insurance that they had before there was market inflation and before they've upgraded the value of their assets. So make sure that you have enough insurance to match the value of what it is that you have there. Um, The last thing I would say is if you are doing a major sort of renovation project, or even if you're building a home from scratch, um, one thing you really want to make sure of is that the person that you're paying, the company that you're paying, let's say it's a general contractor, that they're paying the people downstream from them because you could pay the general contractor. He might say that, "Hey, you know, we, we're done for the week. You owe us this much money for the progress we've made this week, or this quarter, or this month." And you write them a big fat check, uh, assuming that they're paying for the materials they bought, they're paying the laborers they use, they're paying any subcontractors they might have used. And if they don't make those payments, then all every one of those folks can file a lien against your home because they're unpaid for work that they've done to improve the value of your home, even though you paid somebody else Ooh, for that work. Right. So it's
3: called a material man's lien. Right. And it's if a, they and do you, it right, it's on the deed. And then you go to sell your house and you're at closing and the closing attorney says, Whoa, 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 you owe uh, you know, Hagen and Sons for that yeah. for that roof that what yeah. I thought I paid. It's no, a it's somewhat a 15, complicated th- yes.
2: process, but talk to a lawyer on the front end of your project, somebody who knows about construction. And they'll give you the right sort of forms that uh, include lien waivers so that when you're making a payment, you're getting assurances back that that there are no liens against your property and you're protecting yourself. There's Thanks.
3: almost no government agency that supervises these home builders, subcontractors, independent builders, and, and construction folks. Yep, and I'm every time Ray and
2: I go to court, there's some dispute on the calendar that's between a homeowner and a builder.
3: Quickly, in case you need
1: this expert advice that we give out free on this show. How do you get in touch with you, Bruce?
2: Well, beyond just the traditional ways, if you're on Twitter, send us a message at peepslawyer. Um, I'm, I'm sure through the station you can get to at Tug Cowart or, yes, sir. or e- even the show here. Uh, send us a message on Twitter, and we're happy to uh, take up any subject you might have on the air at a future show. Uh, but you can also find me online, hagen-law.com. It's H-A-G-E-N. Bike lawcom is another website we use and it's bruce at hagen-law.com or bruce at bikelaw.com right
3: ray judice g-i-u d is in david i-c-e practicing law here in roswell now but still metro atlanta for 40 years almost coming up on it's crazy 404-964-4185 or lawcom uh, it's with a g not a j but uh if you phonetically get close. Uh, I I bought all the Google sites to drive the traffic to the website. And I tried to put some uh, information a little bit about me and some of the various speaking engagements I've had on CNN and Nancy Gray's show and 680 The Fan and Radio Korea, things like that.
1: Sure. There you go. If uh, If you need legal advice, if you need help, I recommend Bruce and Ray. Give these guys a call if you need that help. This is your day in court. Make it a great weekend on Extra 106.3
4: 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Spring
1: is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats.
3: Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take
1: it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia.